Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Jeremiah. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. So, Jeremiah here, a couple of things just starting off. You think there's a a huge difference between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Everybody wants to be fruitful, right? Everybody wants to be fruitful. We do. But we don't live for to bear fruit. You try bearing fruit, you know, in your life. It's all you're after bearing fruit. It really messes with your motives. But you and I, like Jeremiah, like anybody else, Moses or Paul the Apostle, whoever else is, you go down the corridor through the Bible or the corridor, you know, of our friendships, of family members, church members, we realize that we are called to be faithful. But many times we might look at struggling, look at being fruitful. And we look at trying to, I don't know if you guys are like me, I don't want to see fruit in my life, right? I want to see fruit. But what happens, you know, is we don't have to, we shouldn't worry about producing fruit. We should just worry if there's anything I can throw in there without really being worried. We just should just try and be faithful, live our lives faithful unto the Lord, faithful for what He's called us to do, faithful for you know His faithful to His word. And I think it's important to understand that the fruit will come as you and I are faithful to the Lord. That's all He's looking for. We're not fruit producers, we're just to be faithful, just to be available, just to be used as God would, would, would want us to be used, just to answer that call of God. And so the challenge for many is to really stay faithful, but not just faithful, staying faithful, it's staying faithful in those times when there's little or no fruit on the tree. Staying faithful when you you know you don't feel like you're so, you know, um, you're you're very being used effectively or you know, that again, like there's much fruit out there in your life or fruit on the tree, so to speak. You know, you know, it's it's difficult. It's a challenge to stay faithful because there are times when we hit a low spot in our lives or a low spot in a ministry, so we think we're in a valley, we're going through it. And it's hard to be faithful because we like being faithful when we're on the mountaintop where everything is just going well. But to stay faithful to the Lord, through the thick and thin, through the good times and the bad. That's all he's asking us to do. You just stay faithful. Remember, I got to pray with somebody who might soon be with the the Lord. uh, And and the the very thought was, listen, the Lord will never leave you. You understand that? Well, I want to hear that. Well, I'm telling you, if you're with the Lord, he will never leave you nor forsake you. As a matter of fact, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And that's, that's the promises that He gives us. He will always be faithful to us because He, he cannot deny Himself. His love will, it will always be there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus. So we have the promises that He gives to us. And I think of the prophet Habakkuk who said at the end of his th- the third chapter that he wrote, he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olives may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. Just because we don't have the things that we think we would like to have, God is still worthy to be praised. 
I'm still going to continue on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to allow him to use me uh, in whatever it calls, whatever he wants to do, whether it's good times or bad, whether it's, you know, the times of uh, fruitfulness or just times when we have to bear it, grin and bear it and be faithful. And we're not bearing much fruit. And so the danger, of, again, of worrying about whether we're producing fruit or not, you know, trying to produce fruit or enough fruit, has a tendency to play on our motives. Because we'll want to do more. If we don't feel like we're bearing fruit, you know, for the Lord, we'll want to do more. We get in this habit of wanting to do more. Just to, re, you know, instead of remaining, just remain faithful, we'll want to do, do, do. That's a pretty stinky subject sometimes. We want to, we want to just be faithful. That's all the Lord is asking us to do. Just be faithful. And being faithful, especially in the difficult times. The things, I'm not going to be moved off of the rock. I'm going to stand on the rock. I'm going to stand with the Lord. He's standing with me. And so you have this young man, Jeremiah, who's going to learn that. And I think it's a good lesson for us all because of the avenue in which he comes, the Lord is using him, the timing in which the Lord is using him. So he's a young man here, and he receives this call of the office of a prophet. And it's believed alongside of Hilkiah the high priest, along the prophet Huldah and Zephaniah. And he's going to help Josiah with the reform. Josiah's reform spoken about in 2 Kings, about bringing the nation back to God. So we're going to pick up our study in verse 1. Look at what it says. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth, and the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It's believed that in the eighteenth year of King Josiah's reign is when the Reformation began. And it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, uh, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So notice what he says. He says, uh, at the end of the third verse, until, this is going to be the duration of your ministry, until the carrying away of Jerusalem. So the Lord reminds Jeremiah, the mark of your ministry is going to be when Israel is carried away to begin their seven years of captivity. Now understand this, if I think I'm going to get a mark of the ministry, I would like it to be that people are coming to know Jesus, not going into captivity. People are, the church is full. Hey, when you're done preaching, when you're done with your ministry that I've called you to, church will be full. You'll be ready to hand it over. Everything's going to be, they'll be busted at the doors to get in. Jeremiah doesn't get that. Jeremiah doesn't get that promise. He just says, you know what? This is going to be the mark of, and you go through all of these things uh, with these kings. And he says, you know what, um, the mark that you're really shooting for is just to be faithful. Can you imagine preaching and never getting a convert? I mean, never winning somebody to Christ. I mean, I, I, I might just think, well, maybe I'm not called to this anymore. And I'm not the world's greatest evangelist by far. I couldn't even imagine that. But I think God, if we give an invitation, God by himself, by his Holy Spirit, as we lift up the name of Jesus, he's going to draw them in and himself. Somebody's going to get saved somewhere along the line. We've seen people get saved, and we're excited about that. But here's Jeremiah in his ministry. And the end of his ministry when there is going to be marked when they're carried away captive. And he, knowing that, is to be faithful. You're going to be faithful. So if the Lord called you to something, it doesn't always have to be fruitful. 
It could even be a time of suffering because Paul the Apostle, on a couple of occasions, had known that, hey, there's an open door for me, knowing that I'm going to suffer, there's going to be an adversary there that awaits me. Or, you know, going through uh, uh, in Thessalonica, as we're studying on Sunday mornings, that there's troubles. They, they receive the word in, in their persecution. But you still have to be faithful. And Jeremiah, you know, gives us some information on his background uh, here during the time that he ministered. Josiah, he mentions, is the 16th king of Judah, the son of Ammon, as he said, the grandson of Manasseh. Now, Manasseh, if you think about this, I never knew my grandfather. My grandkids know their grandfather. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they can watch me and they can watch their grandmother and, and watch them or, or, you know, our son has both sides of their grandparents still alive. But Manasseh, the first year, uh, first years of Italy, he's a wicked king. But at the end of his life, he became known to the grace of God. You know, he humbled himself at the end of his life and experienced the grace of God. So somewhere along the line, Josiah may have saw that, saw that God made an impact on his life. And then he talks about the decades, the three decades of Josiah's reign that um, were characterized by this peace, by prosperity, and by reform. Looking back, they were some of the happiest years uh, ever experienced by Judah. And so King Josiah devoted himself to pleasing God and reinstituting, if you will, the Israel's observance of the Mosaic Law. He had such a heart to see the people. You know, why are the people like this? Because of a lack of God's Word. And you see God's grace in this is because in his father's life, in Amon, and, and uh, minus, without, without the grace of God uh, being there, because in his father's life, his father's ministry was marked by idolatry. So he, you see this generation at the end of Manasseh's life, he comes to his father's life, he sees just wickedness going on. But then we see that the Lord has this godly son as a successor. Now, I want to share this with you, not out of a boastful thing, but as a true story on how this happens. You guys know that your life marks a tree that you're going to, you're planting your life somewhere uh, in this world and making a mark. My family, as uh, many of you know, born and raised a uh, very religious home, but not a Christian home. And so when all of my older siblings were married and got out of the house or just left the house for whatever purpose it was. We were messed up, man. And it wasn't until my brother came to light, to faith in Christ. So imagine the grace of God because here is this whole lineage of this family with my father and my mother. And I don't even know, listen, I don't even know my grandparents. I think I met my grandfather and my mom's side one time, but I don't know my aunts and uncles. I had to adopt them. And I adopted them by the way they cooked. So I still do that today. But if they could, that, they could throw down in San Diego, if they threw down some Mexican food, that was my auntie. <laughs> and that was my family. True story. Well, they're mom and dad's friends, but they can cook, man. I, I'll call you auntie all day long. So, but, but, but coming to, coming to the story is, you know, my brother got saved. So this family was really going nowhere. You think of a life and the characteristic here of Josiah's family really going nowhere. But one man, by the grace of God, gets saved, my brother, Chris. A year and a half before I get saved. When he gets saved, his wife gets saved. I get saved, my wife gets saved, our children get saved. From there, my sister gets saved, my nephew gets saved, my other sister gets saved. She comes out of the 
religious world, drops the habit and comes to Christ. Every, you know, people are just coming in droves, coming to Christ because of the grace of God. You kind of see that here. It's God's grace. It's Josiah's being raised up in this time. Jeremiah is in the background. He's looking at the things that are taking place, and it's pretty incredible. And the reason I bring up Josiah is because, again, Jeremiah is there. He's serving during the time of Josiah during this reform as a young man in the back. Probably they think that it was his father, Hilkiah, serving under Josiah. And at the age of 26, Josiah enters or orders the temple to be repaired under the supervision of Hilkiah and the, the high priest. And in the process of that, what does he find? The books of the Bible. Whether it's the first five books or whatever, who knows. But it's the Word of God. And he, they, he finds that. And it was discovered and it brought this new momentum to Josiah to bring the Reformation that was already in progress. So he's like, look at this. I mean, can you imagine thinking, I never wanted anything to do with church or religion because I knew what, it, what I had experienced as a kid. But when you're freed up with the true God and what he can bring to you, you're like going, bring it on. And then you hear that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by thy spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's not through man of religion, it's nothing you can do. It's all that what Jesus Christ has done for you. I'm like, freed up. Arrest me. I want this. Well, Jeremiah is going to be a product of one who is called to push forward in this Reformation uh, process. He's one of the priests from the descendants of the line uh, lineage of Aaron and the uh, the village from the village of Anathoth, which is about three miles from Jerusalem. And uh, he was a priest. So imagine this. He's a priest by lineage, but all of a sudden God calls him to be a prophet. Now, it's much easier being a priest than it would be a prophet. A priest would look at the word and they would know what to do, what time to be there, what schedule they're on, what the ordinances were, what to wear, what not to wear, what to do with the animals, what not to do. They knew it. It was mandated for them in the Levitical practices. He knew everything. But to be a prophet, to be called out of that, you're so regimented in your minds. Listen, today I could still do, Oh, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed fruit of thy womb. I still got it. It's been so ingrained in me with the religion when they said, Go give me our ten our fathers, our father or never know if you then even the kingdom come there will be done earth. I still got it down. It was religiously ingrained in me. I knew what to do, but it had no power in it. And here Josiah comes to this place to excuse me, uh yeah, Je- Jeremiah comes to this place, and he's you know, they have now they saying, Look, I want you to be a prophet. You're gonna get rid of all of the uh the uh, not the religious because he was a priest from the, from the lineage. I don't want to knock that. But just all of the mandates that were daily that you knew about, you're going to get rid of those things. And all of a sudden you have to get rid of them for the fact that I've called you now to be a prophet. Your marching orders are going to come daily. <laughs> what, where is the book that I need to find out what I need, what a prophet does? Well, no, there's no book. I'm going to speak to you on a daily basis. Oh, you're going to speak to me. Okay. And if I don't speak to you, just hang in there. Be faithful. And the things that I tell you, as we'll see, if they're not going to listen, I still want you to be faithful. I still want you to preach them. Whoo, okay. So think about that because you and I should be just like that, in a sense. But as born again Christians, we should be waking up every morning saying, Lord, what are my marching orders? What do you have for me today? Right? We've been bought, blood washed, and we belong to Him now, and, and our lives are now to be governed by Him. He's the wind in our sails. 
And so we're coming to this place like Jeremiah, we're saying, wait a second, I'm going to be used by you. Lord, I want to be used. I'll do it, in, you know, whatever you have for me. And he comes to Jeremiah in this time. And in verse 2 it says, uh, to whom the word of the Lord came. It's interesting because God has something to say to the people. And especially in a dark time that Jeremiah lived in, he's growing up behind the scenes, and he says, I'm going to use you, Jeremiah, to be the spokesperson because I'm going to call you into this office. And I've chosen you for this office for such a time as this. You know why you're living today? God made no mistakes. And he has you and I living in such a time as this. What a trip, huh? Can you believe that? I mean, it's, you think of the things that are going on. And, and he's using you and I in this day. We're not to sit back and be fat, sassy sheep. We're to be getting our orders from God and being ready to, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? Because there's people out there that are getting really mixed up, daily mixed up in this world that we live in. So he says, to whom the word of the Lord came. Listen, finding the book of the law was no accident. It was no coincidence. It was providential. It was the Lord shining his light on such a dark situation uh, that Judah had been in. But the same thing is like today. Listen, we have this word. God has preserved it for us at such a time as this that you and I have the word of God and God still wants to speak this word to the people in this dark situation that we live in, this dark world that we live in. We still have the only thing that's going to change lives is right here. It's not going to change. Listen, we, we're not going to change homelessness. We're not going to change killing by laws. We're not going to change any of this stuff by making laws and opening doors and closing doors. The only way that we're going to change the things that we so vote on to change and hope in bureaucracy or the political system changes it is right here by the Word of God. And we have the Word of God. The Bible says that, as you know this, the Bible says, so what the truth is set, set free shall be free indeed. If people want to be set free, they have to have the thing that's the key that's going to unlock it all. And that's the Word of God. And so here's Jeremiah in this place we're finding him that they have the word of God to kind of look at. God comes in at this time and he puts this in Josiah's heart. And now he comes to the place to say, you know what? The word is found. We need to get this message out there. But Jeremiah, you're going to be the man that I've called to herald this good news out there. Like you and I are called to do. There's, there's a lot here within the first few verses that I think we can really camp on and take home about. We'll cover the whole chapter. But listen, we need to be a people who are willing to live through the re resilience of Jeremiah and to stay consistent and true to the message that God has for us. Look at, I'm not being apologetic for the word. I'm not going to apologize. When the word cuts, it's meant to cut but it's meant to heal. So we want to be faithful with the word. And we need to be a people who are going to live through that and live with the resilience of Jeremiah. And remember the early church, I think of when the early church started. Not many were wanting to hear the word still. There was still this hardness of heart. 
And Paul was ministering at Rome, pleading his case between the Jews and the Roman leaders. And he said this in Acts chapter 28. It says, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. We would think that might be persecution after sit under teaching that long. Morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken as some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. There's what Paul said. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and and hear with their ears, lest uh, they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. So God is into healing hearts. He's into letting the blind see. He's into, you know, the um, bringing a dead person to life, spiritually dead from... uh, death to life. He's, he's wanting to heal marriages. He's wanting to set captives free. He's wanting to see families united and live in power. He's living to, he's willing to do all of these things for his glory, but not many are willing to hear. They don't want to hear. I mean, it's the answer. We'll run to the hospital once we find out we have an illness. We'll go to the doctor and we don't care what it takes, cut me open, do whatever, just get it out and close me up and get me on my way to healing. But when it comes to the Word of God, we've got to be that open. You know, in the society we live in, it has wants really little or nothing to do with being set free. It wants nothing to do with the truth of God's Word. See, it's sad to see the help that God has for this hurting world and have it be rejected the way it is. It's sad and it hurts because people... You know what they need. Remember what Jesus said in John 3 when he's speaking to Nicodemus. He said, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He wants to save the world. He understands. He created us. He knows what the sin is all about. He says, hey, it's going to deceive you, but you better watch out. So, and, and I've come not to, not to condemn you, not to bring this burden upon you. I've come to set you free. I want to save you. I want to be next to you. I want to be close with you. I want to. I just want to love you, and I want you to be with me, you know, forever and ever. So, in the midst of all that's going on, Jeremiah is called by God to broadcast the word to this dark generation. And as we see Jeremiah answer the call to be faithful to the Lord in the midst of opposition, they're not going to listen. The question might ring to you and I. How far, how long will we go, and how long, much, how long will we be faithful to the Word of God, to the generation that we live in, even though people won't listen? Will you still be faithful? Where's the cutting off of the line? You know, where do we go with that? I remember several years ago now, Elaine and I were praying about going to San Diego to visit a uh, family member who was dying didn't have long to live, and um, there was a lot of family turmoil. Not all of my family saved. There was a lot of family turmoil there, and um, 
I'll never forget, we were going through our Wednesday night studies through the book of Ezekiel. And I was asking the Lord and praying, Lord, should I go down? You know, I don't want to go down just because, just to go down. And I heard from the Lord, yes, go down. We felt he had sent us down. But he told me, uh, just as clear as anything, they won't listen. I want you to go, but they won't listen. So we went down there in a public setting. Tried to share the gospel. I asked for two minutes of their time that I might share. Just two minutes. I got interrupted in the first 10 seconds and um, things escalated and I was counting the time in my mind and I said, I've only got a minute left. Can I please have that minute? And um, I was asked, allowed to go on another 10 seconds and it just escalated and blew up. They didn't listen. It was so clear what the Lord had shared with me. But it wasn't going to determine my faithfulness, whether they were going to hear or not. We want to go. I wanted to go just because the Lord had said, I want you to go. Now, whoever refused to hear that message is without excuse. I've done what I had to do. I, I really felt and I did it in love. And I, and I went down there and tried to do the thing. It did get a little carried away. But we're not to get confused about being fruitful and being faithful. We're just to be faithful. And so Jeremiah here, he's called by the Lord. Look at verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So in the midst of any of us growing up, keep in mind that the Lord has known us from before time began. You try and picture that. And, And listen, not only does He know us, But He has a calling for us. He has a calling for our lives. He has something specific that when we join the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.16 says that it's knit together and by what every part does, it brings strength to the body of Christ. I mean, can you imagine you get a little marble and you roll it across the, the thing, but if you get a big bowling ball, it makes a big difference. You have that when everybody is just doing what they're called to do, what they feel led to do, they're using their giftings that God has given them. And you know, that's, that's just it. But before, before Jeremiah, before you and I were even born, God had an, has a plan for us. That's how much He loves us. I, may, I wasted many years before I gave my life to the Lord. I'm trying to make up for lost time now. But but here it is that, you know, he says, you know what, we spend a lot of time, or we spend a lot of, yeah, a lot of time seeking what we may want to do, or even when we prepare our children for whatever, you know, they feel this is what's going to be best for them, you know. But how many of us really seek the Lord for them or for ourselves? God, what do you want from me? God, I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do. Because outside of that, I'm really not going to fulfill my life the way that you have planned for it. And so he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that amazing? That God knows us. So I can say this, God was working on Jeremiah as well as he's working on you and I long before we knew him. You know, I wanted my son, you guys have heard the story, but I wanted my son to, to play baseball. That was my thing. I never got to play it because I was messed up. I mean, I played it, but not the way I, I could have played it. And and God had another plan. My son picked up, my son broke his arm, so done with baseball. 
And he picked up a guitar and started playing guitar. Picked up the Bible, started falling in love with Jesus. I mean, he loved the Lord anyway, but it was just God had a calling on his life. And I could have messed that calling up, trying him to fit my plan. You know, but he had God, he's fulfilling God's calling in his life. And so you think about this from womb to tomb, God has a plan. From, from the womb to the tomb, God has a plan for our lives and for our children's life. And we don't have to stress out about it. It's just like, Lord, just what, what is your calling? What do you want to do? And in your life and my life, it's the same way. Because remember when we get saved, in Ephesians 2.80 says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of you know, works so anyone should boast. Listen, it's the gift of God, right? Then he says, for we are his workmanship. This is coming to Christ in verse 9. That we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So he's already knowing this. Because he says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he already knew that he prepared you, he prepared me, and that when we come to him, he's like, all right, it's about time, let's go. He's not saying that, I'm kind of paraphrasing. But let's go, here's what I got for you. And how wonderfully that is, is when we're fulfilling what God wants us to do and that he's called us to do. We can put a lot of time trying to fashion our lives or, you know, you know, whatever it might be, but we just need to seek the Lord out. God, what do you have for me? I remember the whole time I was called to be the pastor at prior to my salvation. I'll never forget it. But I never went after that because, you know, I said, God, if you're calling me to be a pastor, you're going to have to do it in your time. I don't want nothing to do with it unless you just open doors. And it was something I'm so glad he put in my heart because I know how I am and I could have really made a mess out of things. But he knows what he has for you and I, and we don't have to worry about it. All we got to do is follow him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's all we have to do. Just seek first the Lord. That's it. See, he makes it simple. He really, we, we're the ones that mess it up and get it complicated, don't we? He makes it simple. Just seek first the kingdom of God. That's all I want you to do. You seek, seek the Lord first, and all these things will be added unto you. Even the calling, the clothing, the, uh, the roof over our heads, all that stuff. But even that calling, whatever he wants of us, we're going to find it in him. John 3, 4, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus again earlier in the chapter that I mentioned earlier. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I mean, it's just like that. It's like, Lord, effortlessly, just take me where you want me. I don't want to fight your will. I don't want to fight your plan. I, don't, I just want to do what you want me to do. And you, and you as a child of God, and I, in the same manner, should... Be as easily moved as the wind moves by him as he looks. And we looking at him in his face and just allowing him to guide us and direct us. And we're to go and we're to do like Jeremiah. Just be faithful. Just look, do what I've asked you to do, Jeremiah. Before I knew you, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nation. Now, that's pretty incredible. He set him apart and he's also ordained him. He's appointed him to the office of a prophet. He's called him. And it's important for us to understand that seeking the face of God and being in His Word is how we're going to understand what He wants of us. That's is where, how we're going to see Him, and it's also how we're going to know His plan for our lives. And again, something else before moving on, He says, listen, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Listen, be happy with who God has created you. We don't have to be something else. Look, if society puts this thing on us like we should be, you know, like little Miss Twiggy or, or we should be like, you know, uh, having a six pack or whatever. And, you know, 
we, we got to be, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't look at those things. But, you know, there's, there's fads that the, the world wants us to jump into and try and be this or be that. Take this pill. Remember the things in the, I think it was the 60s or 70s, you used to strap them around your back and you said, you like you're going to lose weight. Those are the funniest things in the world. And people were buying them like crazy. I just got to be the next, you know, take this pill and you'll lose weight. They're buying them by the droves. Look at, be happy with who God has formed you to be. He's made no mistakes in his eyes. And we can rest in that. We can rest that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. We're trying to change sometimes what God has created. I'm a big bone dude, man. Just be happy with it, man. I need a lot of covering for my big bones. <laughs> I mean, I'm all right. I'm not going to let this get me down. But but then he says, before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet. So not only does God have a calling upon Jeremiah's life, but he's a calling upon our life. Jeremiah was a calling of a prophet. What is your calling? We're all to be part of this great movement. We're to be part of what God wants us to do in the, in the body of Christ. We're, we're, again, we're to be active. The body of Christ is living. And so we have this part to where we're to play in it. And, and this verse kind of testifies to that. Look, I sanctified you. So it also testifies that in the womb there's life. Right? We don't need an ultrasound. You know, lady, let's look and see what this is. No, it's a baby. It's a child. It's what it is. There never been any other time that an automobile has popped out of a woman when she's been pregnant. You know, it's just what it is. It is what it is. You know, and you got to understand that. And so not only did Jeremiah, was he sanctified, set apart, but the Lord ordained him. And he's given him a message. And he's given him a vision. This is what I want you to do. And listen, we're no, no different than Jeremiah. We might not be called the office of prophet. But we are called to the body of Christ, the greatest entity to ever belong to in the planet, in the history of mankind. And he, you know, you might say, well, I've called you to be a Sunday school teacher. I've called you to be the sound guy. I've called you this what I, you got the gift of helps or whatever it might be. Just fulfill whatever he's called to do, called you to do. But just like Moses, just like some of the Old Testament prophets or some of it, you know, maybe even the, the guys around here, you and I, we may not feel qualified for the position that the Lord has called us to, but when God is calling us, if He's calling and has a calling upon our lives to do whatever it is, big or small, He's the one who will qualify us to serve in the ministry. God qualifies the called. He qualifies us. And you and I can just rest in that. We can just rest in that. But look at Jeremiah's response in verse 6. He says, Then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. You know, he should have learned that this didn't work for Moses. And he didn't. So he just, it didn't work, but he tries it anyway. And oftentimes we're, you know, kind of quick to respond sometimes when and when we do, it's kind of like we're looking for a way out and instead of a way for the Lord to, you know, just bless us with His power, everything that we need for the entire way through it, fulfilling what He's called us to do, whether it's difficult times or great times, whether masses are coming to know Him or nobody's coming to know Him, He's going to qualify for that. that he's going to qualify us for that. And there are many things that make me unqualified for a pastor. 
to call to, to call a pastor. There's no doubt. I'm, I don't ever consider my my I'm the greatest gift of pastorate on this world. I, if there was a curve system, I'd be blessed. I might I might get a little bit of help there, but I do know this that though that there are many things that I I feel that I'm unqualified for, I know I do know this that I have the calling of God, and that's what I that's what I cling on to. I don't cling on to the fact that, ooh, I've got it all together. I'm God's gift to pastor it. No, 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 no. Not at all, by far. But I do know this, that God has called me to, the, to, the, to, to pastor the church. I know that. Without a doubt, I know that. And so, that I can't deny. And whatever God has called you to do, just understand this. He's going to equip you for it. And you may not feel like you got it all together. Trust me, I know I don't have it all together. And there are times when I get up here that I'll give a Bible study on a Sunday morning, I'll walk down here and I'm like, how can I just escape this place? That was a total bomb. I just want to leave. I just want to like, I don't want to say hi to anybody. I want to say bye to everybody. (laughs) But the Lord works through that. And the Lord works through those things. You see, receiving the call that He has upon your life, it takes humility. It takes us to humble ourselves. It takes us to not think that we've got it all together. Look at, we're not better equipped than some. Why should be up there? Well, they should be doing that or that person is doing that. Listen, Paul was a man of much wisdom, but then he wrote that that God could even use the foolish, right? He said, but look at what God can do with the foolish. God, Paul was a man of wisdom, and he was the guy that authored that. Yes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he wrote, but God takes the, the foolish things to confound the wise. You see, in God's hands, you and I, Jeremiah, Paul, Moses, you and I are of great use in his hands, being used by him, being ordained by him, being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the danger is trying to fulfill what he's called us to do in our own lives, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, or trying to do what we want to do, that we feel we're called to do. Jeremiah's response was just simply, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm young. In verse 7, the Lord responded to Jeremiah. He said, but the Lord said to me, do not say, I I am a youth. So what, what the Lord said automatically was, you know what? Don't look at what you feel is your disadvantage, your education, your youth, your inability to speak, or, you know, whatever. Don't look at those things. You got to look to me. And then he said, do not say that I'm a youth for you shall go to all. You shall go to all to whom I send you. So faith is required. Then obedience to follow the Lord. You're just going to go to all. Remember when Moses was called out of the uh, Ur, the Chaldeans, he was called. He, where, where am I going? No, he didn't say that. He said, just call, leave. That's all he said, leave, go. Where are you going to go? I don't know. Like Noah, build an ark. What's an ark? Just build it. So you're, you're looking at these things. Just, just go. And then he says, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Not our words. Like, I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to say, oh, I don't want the people. I don't want them to be hurt. I don't want them to leave. I'm not going to teach it. No, no. I'm just going to look it. We're adults in here. This is God's word. Let it be written for what it says. And let's teach it in love. And boom, there it is, right? And so he says, whatever you shall do, wherever you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And do not be afraid of their faces. <laughs> it's not that they're ugly or wearing Halloween masks. 
but rather they're going to be giving you disrespect. They're going to be looking at you. They're going to be coming angry at you. They're going to start be snarling people. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So knowing that, will you trust the Lord? So he says, look it, don't make excuses. You're going to go to all the people I send you. Not to you, just whom you want to go to. You're going to go to all the people I want to send you. And whatever I command you, you're going to speak. Can you imagine that? Just speaking forth the word of God. I was at a uh, funeral one time. And it was, um, there was a very mixed population there. And it had to be held at a park because of the person that passed away. And they didn't want opposition. They wanted family members. And some of the family members were living a lifestyle that wasn't, uh, <laughs> wouldn't be accepted in the church. And the place where they wanted to have it, nobody from the church was going to go to that. And so I began to just, to, all I did was read passages. I read Revelation 21, New Heaven and New Earth, and you know all these things, and those who are living this kind of lifestyle will not inherit the, the, the heaven. And um, after I was done, I just was reading Scripture, because I, I knew where this person was, and by the grace of God, and man, did I catch it right. It's by reading Scripture. I, look, I felt like that's what the Lord had me do. I didn't, I didn't expound on it. I didn't preach on it. I just simply read Four passages or five passages of Scripture. That was it. It's talking about heaven. The whole idea. This person, because of their faith, is in heaven. Let me tell you what heaven's about. Let me tell you who's getting there, who's not. So, and I just read the Scripture. So, here you see uh, Jeremiah. He's called to be faithful, even as fear may come upon him. So, you may not like where God is sending you. You may not like the people that God is sending you. You may not like the idea but God, but God just wants us to be faithful. And Jeremiah, you're not to fear. You and I aren't to fear. Right? Jeremiah, like Joshua or any, any one of us, we're to stand firm and be of good courage and, and do what God has called us to do. So the rulers of the people, or the rulers and the people of Judea, their lives were pretty messed up. They were living wickedly. And so Jeremiah was going to be the guy. And if you're going to be a faithful prophet, you're going to have to be one that's going to stay the course and the things that I'm calling you to. I mean, think about that. The same thing is today. It didn't matter where Jeremiah's strengths and weaknesses were. Listen, he would need, as you and I are going to need, to trust in the Lord. He's going to have to trust in the Spirit that told him to go. He's going to have to trust in the Spirit that's going to fill him with the courage to accomplish what God wanted him to do. There's no difference in today. I don't know about you, but it's pretty easily you get shut down if you want to start talking the truth. Sometimes even in the church. Remember what 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're not to be afraid of those who can cast us into prison. We're to fear the one who can cast the soul into hell. We're to, we're to fear that matter. We don't have to fear that because we know Jesus. We know our Lord and Savior. But that's who the Bible says to fear. Don't fear those who can put you in prison. Like we're so worried about being in prison. That's a captive audience. Look at what Paul did when he was in prison. Paul saved many. The, the, the guards were coming to know him, or coming to know the Lord. Then in verse 9, look at what with God's touch. He says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set before you the nations, and uh, the nations and over the uh, the kingdoms. And so here's the influence of God's word that's going to have in Jeremiah who's going to be faithful. 
It's going to have the influence over nations and kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build up, and to plant. This is what's going to happen, Jeremiah. I love the progression here, if you noticed it. He goes from rooting to, ter- to pulling down to destroying. All this stuff is what God's Word does, right? God's Word it wants to root out. It wants to pull down our old lives, pull down the sin, get the yuck out, break it down if it needs to, um, but to destroy and throw it down. All of these things, that's what God's Word wants to do, but it doesn't leave us in that state because then it's to build and plant. And what he's speaking about here, obviously, is the children of Judah. He's speaking of the things that are going to happen there. Listen, I'm going to, we're going to have to tear down. We're going to have to root out. But I'm not going to leave them in that state. The same thing is with you and I. We come. We should come broken before the Lord. We should give just uh, God's word, everything that it needs in our lives. Just the freedom to have what it wants in our lives. Like the Thessalonians said, they heard it. They, welcome, they uh, received it and they welcomed it in their lives, and it may change in their lives. And you and I are to do the same thing. But what God is saying here to the prophet is, when you go to the children of Judah, when you go to these people, that I am not going to leave them in that state. Yes, it's going to tear down. The, 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 I'm going to root out. I'm going to pull down. And you've got to do that to get down to the soil. And then I'm going to destroy and throw down. But nevertheless, I will build and I will plant. Where is the nation of Israel today? Isn't it awesome? Some of you guys want to go back. We're going to start a trip here. Uh, I go to the doctor in two weeks to get my clearance. So pray for that. And I'll be stamping a trip. Let's go. I want to go back. You know why? They're finding, they're digging up some kilometers from Tel Aviv, an ancient city there again. They're building up a freeway there and they found the whole city there. Pretty incredible. 5,000 years old, I think, or 4,000 years old the city was. It's incredible. So you can't even, you can't even turn around in Israel without finding something else about the Bible being true. But it's just that that's how the promise of Israel has lived to be true. Jerusalem today is the focus of the world. You see what's happening in Syria right now? I'll tell you what, I'm looking at this. I love, I, don't, I used to, I, I really don't like the news. But when I do watch the news, which is very, uh, once in a blue moon, I'll watch it and it'll say this. It'll say, it'll say not in these words, but it'll say, and all these things are happening. And I'm saying, that's what the Bible says. It's just confirming what the Bible says. You see, that's what's happening. When you look at Israel in the Middle East, you're going to get your proper eschatology. Eschatology is understanding the end times. And Jerusalem and Israel is the center of that eschatological viewpoint. When you look at the end times, you look at what's happening in the Middle East. And we're waiting for that hook to come in the jaw up north and pull down Gog into the uh, area. And I'll tell you what, when, when or before that happens, when that trumpet sounds, Whatever takes place, it's going to be soon. And I love it. I'm excited about it. So he tells them, you know what? I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And you're going to go and your word is going to prevail over nations and kingdoms. The word of God is, is, is um, so powerful. I was sitting with a, in a, in a closed door meeting about a year ago with some somebody who was sitting with, and I, I don't want to mention names, with a... But with the, uh, and I, I think I told the story in this manner, but sitting with somebody in a, um, had 33,000 synagogues in Damascus. He was a, a imam. And he asked the gentleman, he says, your Bible tells me something about my country. Would you clarify what your Bible tells about 
my country? And he said, yes, sir. In his office in Damascus. And he says, yes, sir. The Bible says that your country will be destroyed. See, the Word of God will prevail. The Word of God will have the last say. And then in verse 11, we see the vision. It says, Moreover, the Word of God came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And then, the, then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for uh, I am ready to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, What do you see? And he says, I see a boiling pot, and it's facing away from the north. And then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth in all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdom of the north, says the Lord, and they shall come. Each one set his throne at the inheritance of the uh, entrance, excuse me, of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. I will, listen, though the Lord will use them, he's, he is causing this judgment. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because, and the Lord always has reason why he does. He's justified because, number one, they have forsaken me. Number two, they burn incense to other gods. And number three, because they worship the works of their own hands. So God's first vision here that he gives to Jeremiah is to see this branch of an almond tree. And the almond tree was, uh, another name for the almond tree was the awake tree because it's the first tree that buds and bears fruit in Palestine. And so the, the branch... And though it represents the Lord who's watching to see that his word is going to be fulfilled. The next vision is this boiling pot. And the boiling is tilting away from the north. And it's being spilled out on the south. And what he's saying here is this tilting out represents the disaster that's going to come from the north down to the south. And it's going to come upon the inhabitants of Judah. And, and you know what? The chasing would come from those from the north. And so the people from the north, more than likely the Babylonians who will come down. Jeremiah gives credence to this in uh, the 39th chapter, the fulfillment of that prophecy after they come down and capture Jerusalem. But Judah's fall to Babylon was going to be God's judgment because of her idolatry. And, and his promise to them after they're rooted up, torn down, is that they will be rebuilt once again and planted. And again, we 70 years ago or so, we saw how this taken place. We saw this take place and we see that the nation is there. Israel is rebuilding and planting and they've been uh, very prosperous over the last 70 years or so. And so this speaks to us of something of great importance. We may never see the fulfillment of what God has said will happen in our time but nonetheless, it will come to pass. Whatever God says will come to pass. It will not tarry. You like told the prophet Habakkuk, it's going to come to pass. Listen, you and I are just called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful. Look at whether the rapture comes and takes us home in the next year, five years, ten years, thirty minutes, twenty seconds. We're called to be faithful. Whether we go through a time to where we pass on and then our grandkids, our kids and our grandkids are here, we're just called to be faithful, but nonetheless teach them of the hope that is to come. And then let's close with this. The challenge to Jeremiah, verse 19, Therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all. Listen, Jeremiah, don't speak to the ones just whom you want to speak to. 
And don't just give them what you want to say, but you give them everything. He says, and speak to all that I command you, and do not be dismayed before their faces. Again, the reassurance, don't let fear set in, lest I dismay you, and I'll break you down before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city with an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the king of Judah and his princes and its priests, and against the people of the land, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Listen, Jeremiah, in the midst of a dark world with this deck stacked against him, seemingly, He says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you are to be faithful. And Jeremiah, you're not to fear. I'm going to be with you. And I want you to go out with the Word of God and I want you to speak what I tell you to speak to whom I tell you to speak it to. And in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of the haters, in the midst of those who are being ridiculed, in the midst of being bullied because you and I might go through that, as well, we're to stay the course. Listen, the Lord will fight for us. And they, your enemies, my enemies, Jeremiah's, the enemies of Jeremiah, they're not going to prevail. I am with you always. Doesn't that sound familiar? What did the Lord tell the disciples as they're going out? Now, there was fear because when Jesus was in the grave uh, for three days, they went and they huddled up with them for fear of the Jews. They were huddled up in in an upper room somewhere. But Jesus said in Matthew 28, he says, listen, it says, Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He said, Go, therefore, go. It's a command. It's a command from every disciple. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And here's the promise. Remember, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. Go, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was a trip because I was just reading with a brother this week how Jesus said, hey, when we get over to the... When we get over, I don't know where they were, Bethany or whatever, he says, Sam, hey, once you go over to the city, there's going to be a cold in the donkey there. I want you to bring him back to me. I'm thinking, wait a second, whose is it? You want me to just go over there? Yeah, just do it. And it was just as it was told. It was just there as Jesus told. And he brought it back there. No problem. I mean, we're just to go and to speak God's word. The nation is hurting. And we're out there throwing life preservers, not as one as, what color do you want? You want a pink one? You're a girl or boy? Or how do you identify? Let me, you know. We're out there saying, look, you're in sin. You need Jesus. We're going to throw that life preserver out. And, and I can get so, listen, down on myself at times for um, when I think about bearing fruit in my life and how much fruit am I bearing. And, oh, I'm not doing what I should be doing. And frustration sets in and so forth. But when I remember that I'm called to be faithful, then things fall a little bit easier. When I focus on the fruit in my life, I'm like, I'm a mess. But when I focus on just being faithful, then God moves. And when I'm thinking about it, just being faithful to what He's called me to do, then I see the fruit as time goes on. I'm not worried about it. Look, at the fruit is from the Lord. But even as I do see the fruit of what I'm called to do, I, or any one of us, still need to be faithful for what we're called to do. Amen? Whether we see fruit or not, 
whether it's easy or not, whether we, you know, our, our people are coming in altar calls, come forward, you know, Billy Graham, come from the door top and they'll, they'll wait for you, you know, the buses will wait for you, come on down, and thousands are being saved. Greg Laurie, thousands are being saved. We've all heard the word, and we know the word, and we're to be distributors of the word in some way to a hurting world around us. The only thing that is going to help this world is Jesus Christ. And you and I have the Word of God. And we are commanded in such a time as this to live in this age in which we live and that we look at it and say, okay, Lord, now I'm here. What do you want me to do? How am I formatting my life? What is my life all about? And how much consistency do I have my part, am I part of your program? Am I fulfilling your calling in my life? And if not, allow God to reaffirm, reconnect, and refill you with His power to fulfill whatever it is that He has for you. Look at excuses. There are a dime a dozen. I've got enough of them. You don't have them, I'll give you a couple of mine. Excuses. I've been there. But what we are called to be is faithful. Let God be glorified as we're just faithful unto Him. Whatever it might be, let Him use you. Let Him use you and let Him receive the glory. You know, if we could explain what's going on, then it's probably not the Lord. People ask me sometimes, what's going on at Calvary Chapel? I say, I don't know. I really don't know sometimes. I don't know. But I'm seeing people that are falling in love with Jesus. And they're, fi- they're finding that calm. There are people that are wanting, hey, well, how can I, what can I do? It's such a blessed church with service, but there's so much more that we can do for the calling that God has for us if we just remain faithful. Father, we thank you. Lord, for you, Jesus be faithful. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.